Welcome to another podcast from I'dRatherBeWriting.com. My name is Tom Johnson. And today I am going to be talking about dealing with overload, mainly project overload. All right. And this, the inspiration for this podcast comes from a post on Reddit. There's a technical writing uh, subreddit called in over my head service docs user docs localization requesting advice and you know i browse reddit because i just like the site um it's it's fun to read and i subscribe to this forum and i occasionally comment but this one seemed to resonate with me in particular the person it's kind of a long post so i will just summarize it but basically the person starts out by saying that they started uh, working in this field, I don't know, three years ago, and their scenario at work kind of got uh, complex all of a sudden because they acquired different companies, other people got laid off, and all of a sudden uh, a a certain part of the company started expanding, they had a lot more documentation, this person suddenly was in charge of a lot of different projects, that cut across a lot of different domains with different groups. Um, The person uses the phrase baptized by fire, kind of like this is their first tech writing job, I think, or maybe, I don't know, one of their early in the person's career. And they just are overwhelmed by all of this information. Um, The manager doesn't know what this person does so it doesn't get, he doesn't get a lot of support or she um, others <clears throat> don't seem to understand the time that's required to produce the documentation they think that I'm just going to assume it's a guy they think he can just crank it out uh, you know in no time at all when he asks for more support it just sort of falls on deaf ears there's no time to ramp up on tools or technology or to try to influence roadmap and product design or usability because he's just fully occupied with tech writing tasks there's no champion or advocate above him and he's a team of one uh actually this uh, you know what this might be a a woman instead of a man keyboard queen 90 anyway all right so now i'm gonna assume it's a woman she uh, is asking for some advice, uh, even says any veteran veteran pros or something. I thought I saw that. Uh, <clears throat> might want to provide tips on what works for them. Well, the reason I wanted to do a podcast on this is because, I mean, even though I've been in the field, I don't know, uh, 15 to 20 years, I, I totally feel this scenario. Um, in, my, in my role, uh, we took on a another big project even received a new headcount in our group for it you know at the same time i had a colleague leave so uh it's kind of like my job tripled um in a very short period of time and i had a lot of tasks kind of coming at me at once and i really had to try to figure out how i was going to manage this workflow um and i would be uh lying if i said i've totally got it under control and totally know how to like uh manage all these projects so that they don't seem overwhelming but um, I did want to kind of think through this and talk about things that I think work and which have sort of been working for me Um, all right so I want to start by 
by uh, looking at the the idea of Kanban. I remember going to, I think I remember this, that or I dreamed, I dreamed it happened, one of the two, but there's these Japanese gardens in, in San Francisco, Golden Gate Park. And when you go in, they, they regulate how many people can enter these gardens by giving you a little like a little white ticket or something, not a ticket, but like a little piece of plastic. And let's say that the capacity of the gardens is only about 75. All they do is they have 75 of these little tickets. Um, Tickets is is the wrong word, maybe passes, 75 little plastic passes that they hand out. And when you go in, you get a pass. And when they run out of passes, they stop people from entering the gardens. And so you can only kind of wander around. And, and as soon as somebody leaves, you can get another pass. Or the people will give a new pass to somebody waiting to come in. But this is how they regulate flow. Um, I can't remember if they actually do this in San Francisco or if I read about this in some other some uh, some techniques in some book on Kanban. But the idea is that it's a technique for kind of regulating flow, which is what this comes down to. If you've got information overload, you need some kind of system to regulate the flow of, of work coming at you. And I think it's an ingenious system. However, it doesn't entirely work uh, for documentation, in part because people aren't necessarily uh, or, or the documentation tasks aren't the same as people entering a park. Um, If you think about the same scenario applied to the DMV, Department of Motor Vehicles, you go in, you get a ticket, right? You take a ticket and you get a number, whatever, it's on your ticket, and then you wait. Let's say you're number 75 and the attendees at the desks are uh, going through the tickets one by one in order, you know, 71, 72. And, you know, after about an hour and a half, your number gets called. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, uh, <clears throat> I'm not underestimating that time there. Anyway, um, well, suppose your task at the DMV only takes two minutes. Does it really make sense to wait an hour and a half to get to a clerk for that two minute task? No, it's frustrating as heck, right? Everybody hates the DMV. And why would I ever recommend that we implement a service model that mimics the DMV? Take a number uh, and then just wait in line. Under that scenario, you would tell everybody who comes to you and says, I need documentation to take a number. And then the person who's like at number 40, well, you'll get to them in in about two years, right? And what if their task could could be done in, in five minutes? So it just sort of falls falls apart there. But you need a framework in general, right? Like you can't just go um, scatterbrained in every different direction based on who's yelling yelling the loudest at you and who needs it now. And then you find out some people who need it now are just trying to meet a fictitious deadline and so forth, or they have an internal beta or something that's kind of a not a super important deadline. Um, or it's just like a, a stretch goal they're trying to meet to finish everything. You know, and if you operate in this way, you'll get burned out. If you're constantly operating in crisis mode where like you're always heads down working on 
a, a doc that's due in a few days and it's a really important doc and it's like as soon as that's done you've got another one and it's just like this barrage of docs hitting you and everybody just asking so much of you all the time trust me if you keep operating in that quadrant that that uh high stress emergency quadrant um the future doesn't look good there right we burn out so the process that has sort of been implemented in the software industry to handle this is the the agile scrum process and i've written about this in the past and I'll, i'll link to it but the basic idea is this you have a backlog of stuff right whole big honestly i i have like around 250 um tickets in my backlog like issues that i need to address in the documentation right so you have a, a big backlog of of these tasks you have to identify which are the highest priority so sort through them you probably know which ones are the most important, probably things that are releasing for real uh, to customers externally and tasks that align with <clears throat> executive priorities. Like what does your leadership care about? Um, so identify some high priority tasks and then take a two week period of time and assign some of those tasks to that two week period of time. How many how many tasks can you knock out in that two week period of time? Well, you'll you'll figure this out sooner rather than later. Uh, I can well usually you you attach like a number of points to each task, and then you can say after you do a few of these two week sprints, you can learn that oh I typically can knock out twenty points. So if uh, one task um, that takes a half a day is one point and a full day is two points, then I could probably do like seven or eight tasks, right? So load up your week, right? You've or, or sorry, load up your sprint with these tasks and then try to throw in some quick wins. Some of those tasks that are like quick updates, maybe there's a formatting issue on a page or broken link or something that you can do in under under an hour right hopefully a a broken link wouldn't take an hour but you know what i'm saying uh things that are the the easy things all right so so fold those in even if they're not high priority it doesn't make sense to just push them out right you need a break anyway from more substantial tasks And, and then proceed to work on the items in your sprint. Now, here's where people um, typically don't understand doc processes. So nobody will, nobody will think that you even have a sprint, right? Um, but when people ask for docs, you can tell them that you, you've got a doc sprint and you can show them what's currently in your doc sprint and tell them, hey... I will uh, assign your task to an upcoming sprint that's at least two weeks into the future, uh, if not four or more. And people are usually satisfied when they have some kind of sense of a, a real timeline for when their work will be be uh, worked on. It appeases them. I've had people just, it sort of puts the, the it, it give, make, ah, I'm getting tongue tied. It makes them much more patient. Um, 
they're sort of waiting because they know that their task is not forgotten. It's just not worked on immediately. And it makes sense that you can't just drop everything and, and work on their task right on the very day they ask for it. Uh, no, no engineer works like that. If you tell an engineer you need something, you would expect them to assign it to an upcoming sprint and maybe they will work on it within a month. All right. Um, a few other things, a few other thoughts are, uh, <clears throat> any process is usually a good one. It's hard to stick with a process. Uh, sometimes when we're really in crisis mode, we don't have time to, to prioritize our backlog and assign items to a sprint and, and maybe even assign points to them and to, to report on them and to reflect, you know, all that takes time, right? And so as soon as we hit the crisis mode, that might be one of the first things that we drop. And then it, it may take a while to pick it back up. Um, but I think that it only does us a disservice in the long run when we drop and discard our process because now we begin operating full time in that mode. Um, and that's never good. At the end of this sprint, you want to kind of report on some of these updates you've made, like send out, um, send out a list of the things you've updated and worked on so that people know what you're working on. And then, then your manager and others who don't understand docs will begin to see that, Oh, you know, this person is, has a certain productivity and they're doing things and it's, they're accomplishing this and that. If they never see what you're doing, then if they're, if, unless they're like watching over your shoulder, they may, may just assume that you're, I don't know, uh, working on your own stuff or playing around, who knows, like, right? People don't really understand what you might be doing unless you let them know what you've accomplished. Okay, one more thought. Um, this isn't something I've touched on so much in the past, but uh, when you think about productivity, you, you don't want to jump from one task to another in a random pattern. You want to get into a flow state. This is general knowledge about how to um, be productive. You want to deeply immerse yourself in work such that you get to some kind of flow state, right? And, and once you're in that state, you become a lot more productive. Um, I think flow state's often used to, to describe like creative writing or coding or something, but when you're able to focus on something and devote all your all of your attention to it, like your brain starts firing in a really productive, efficient way. Um, and if you're constantly jumping from one project to another, it's hard to get into that rhythm and flow. Uh, you have all the context in, in your mind, all the details. You know where all of the, the words are and the, the, the sections are in the doc and you're kind of working across many different topics and pages it's all kind of in the front of your mind right and if you if you suddenly jump from that task into some other project entirely it's kind of like a train that's rolling down the track and then all of a sudden has to stop and move back the other way and then has to stop and go back the other way and you never get much momentum so i like to try to focus on one project for a few days uh, sometimes a week and then, and then I'll switch out of it right now. I'm switching between like four different projects and it's really frustrating. Ideally 
I want to just focus on one and, you know, spend time ramping up on all, all of that project's needs. Ideally, we should, we should be able to anticipate uh, crisis points long before they come a crisis, right? If you are keeping up on a project, you can anticipate that a certain customer meeting is at a certain date and you'll need to have docs ready before then. Otherwise, people will just, just sort of um, approach you a few days before and set you into that crisis mode. Um, but but being able to focus on one project is certainly a luxury in the field, and so you have to figure out how to how to be efficient even when bouncing from one to the other. All right, the last sort of advice I would have is, um, and I've got a link here as well to an article. Um, if you're in a state of high anxiety and frustration, uh, it's hard to be productive as well. Sometimes. I will just stop and, and meditate. There's a great app called Calm Meditation. Other people like one called Headspace, but it can help put your mind at ease and kind of kind of take things a little more slowly. I think the real frustration comes when you're you're required to document something that you don't fully understand, but in order to understand it, uh, requires more ramp up time than you have. For example, let's say you're documenting some C++ functions but like you don't have a strong grasp of C++ so a lot of the terms are unfamiliar but but the document is due like in a couple of days so you don't have time to kind of go through a whole course on C++ that kind of scenario super common right it's like the story of our lives right you you have to explain something that you yourself barely understand well there is one tip that I think works quite well in a lot of these situations. Um, if you're, if you find that you're, you have to document something that's over your head or that you're unfamiliar with, ask an engineer to demo and explain it and record the meeting. That's the key. Um, you could even record it through, uh, uh, any kind of tool really. Um, ask them if they can, if you can record it and they will certainly agree. Um, but when you record it, even if you don't understand what they're saying during the meeting, you can go back and listen to it and kind of transcribe it even, uh, and then shape it up and then you'll have the terminology. You can start to unpack some of the things. Um, I've done this numerous times and it kind of blows engineers away when they see it. They're like, holy crap, like you've articulated exactly the information we needed to convey and you've used all the right terms. And it's like, hmm, yeah, it's not, not bad. And I might still not fully understand it, but at least I've sort of relayed the information. Now, that's not my favorite mode, right? And ideally you want to understand all these different projects on a deeper level. But if you're pressed for time, you can kind of get by with that. All right, those are my tips, and I will invite other people to provide tips um, if you if you have good strategies for dealing with information overload, too many projects, the sort of scenario this person described. Feel free to add them in the comments. Again, my name is Tom Johnson. I'm at I'dRatherBeWriting.com, and just to plug my upcoming workshop on November 19 in San Francisco. I'm giving a full day API documentation workshop. Uh, this is perfect opportunity to learn all the tools, the techniques, the best practices, the strategies for doing API documentation. If you're trying to take your career up to the next level, 
you need to move into this space more or less. Like, especially if you're in the Bay Area, you want to become the technical, technical writer working on API doc projects. And you want to have the confidence to really know uh, that you're doing it well. And so that you can guide engineers, they can look up to you and, and see your, your recommendations and approaches as, as a model. All right. Thanks for listening.